We're back with another Evening Under Lamplight podcast on Dante's Inferno. I'm Robert Louis Abrahamson, and we're going to continue looking at Canto Three, where we left off last time. Dante and Virgil have passed through the gates of hell and are now encountering the first group of damned souls. Or not really damned souls, in this case, more like nothing souls. These souls are too despicable to be placed further down with the damned souls, lest those damned souls look down on them and feel superior, which they're not ever allowed to do. And who are these nothing souls? Well, traditionally, they're called the pusillanimi, the pusillanimous souls, cowardly, or more literally, puny souls. I mentioned last time that for Dante, the prime human attribute was the ability to choose, specifically to choose right or wrong actions. But these pusillanimi have not made any choice. Their chief human quality of free will has atrophied. They're mere nothings. These are people who have let others make their choices for them. They are conformists, or they have just backed out of any engagement with life. They're not good enough to survive the bright light of heaven, not evil enough to suffer the torments of hell, but they, they, but they have to have a place, and so they are dumped here in the vestibule or antechamber of hell, a nowhere place for nowhere souls. All hell is the universe's big dustbin, but the vestibule is the dustbin's dustbin. And what is really shocking is Dante's statement that he did not think death had undone so many. Th that means, doesn't it, that it looks to Dante as though most people who have ever lived are, are to be found here. Most people, according to Dante's rather strict assessment of human life, most people have wasted their lives. I'll just leave that thought with you for a minute, to consider whether this corresponds to anything you have noticed in the world you've been living in. Most people have done nothing with their lives. Now, given the kind of people these were, what have divine justice, power, and wisdom constructed to manifest in this lower world the kind of state of their soul in the upper world. In other words, how does the description Dante gives us represent a kind of external metaphor for the internal psychological state these people have chosen for themselves? This is the question we'll be asking over and over as we encounter the different inhabitants here, and you'll see how it works. Like all, or almost all, of the inhabitants of hell, these people are naked, as though stripped of any kind of covering they have put up to hide their true selves. Here their true selves, the selves they have created through life, are exposed, and they are frantically running after some flag up ahead. Perhaps they can't even see what the flag looks like or stands for. Perhaps it doesn't matter to them. They just need to follow someone else's lead. They didn't choose what car or what clothes or what food to buy. They just bought what the advertisements told them to buy. They didn't make any rational choice about what career to follow or what partner to marry or what political cause to support. They just let themselves be led by what happens to arouse their emotions. You know the sort. 
their advertisers' targets, and as we see more often than we'd like, the targets of demagogues, who are always looking out for mindless followers to serve as their power base. Many commentators speak about the situation these hellish souls find themselves in as a kind of reversal of their life on earth. They call this the contrapasso. And thus these pusillanimi had done nothing in life, and now they're forced to keep actively running for all eternity. But I incline to see it a little differently. All these characters in the Inferno are enacting a kind of surreal representation of what their life was actually like. See if you agree. Were these pusillanimi actually doing nothing in life? Was their life so inert? Yes, they never made any choices, but I think they were always active. They busily followed whatever flag was waved before them. They were always itching for more external stimulation, because they could find no stimulation within. Thus the stinging flies and wasps represent the party invitations, the ads, political rhetoric, social media, all these things that would sting them into action when they couldn't be bothered to decide for themselves what to do. There's no end to this restless following of whatever flag comes along. Thus, as Virgil says, they long for a death they can never have, and they envy every other person's situation. I wish I could finally clean up this mess in my room. My sister's place is so neat. Why can't I be like that? Why can't I get anything done? Can you feel the restless sting of envy here? Or here? I can't make ends meet, but my favorite politician promises me a life like those rich people I see in movies. Or here. I'll binge watch this series that keeps exciting me with sexy or adventurous scenes I, I, I wish my life had. This is only the illusion of living. Dante singles out one person among this whole crowd, but identifies this person only as the one who, through cowardice, made the great refusal. Perhaps it's Pope Clement V who had resigned the papacy a few years before Dante was writing. Or perhaps it's, perhaps it's someone else. This keeps the scholars busy. But we don't really have to struggle to identify precisely who's referred to here. At one level, it is Dante himself, the Dante at the start of Canto II, when, through cowardice, he himself made the great refusal, backing out of the journey. Dante is thus beginning to recognize himself here in the underworld. He's beginning to see representations of his own faults and failures, and he can now see clearly the true nature of that cowardly refusal. Virgil tells Dante that it's not worth spending a lot of time talking about these people. Let's move on, he says, and let's move on ourselves, too. I, I suppose it's an age-old mythic image to picture death as involving the passage across some water, from the land of the living to the land of the dead. And Greek mythology presents the image of Charon, the fierce ferryman, who transports the souls of the recently deceased across the river Acheron into the land of the dead. And Dante adopts this image here. Charon, like many of the Greek mythic figures in the Inferno, 
is a mere functionary. He has a job to do and does it. We'll see many other functionaries like this, raging, having lost the good of their intellect, just doing their job over and over and over, endlessly. It's not a punishment, just a job. Charon comes along as another guardian of the gate, telling Dante to go away. Dante stands his ground, however, and passes the test. And then our attention shifts to the newly dead souls waiting on the shore. These souls are standing there, naked and shivering in fear, subdued by Karen's taunts. And as we saw, they still cannot face what they have done, but they keep blaming everyone else. They cannot see what they've done, having, as we know, lost the good of the intellect. They have no right vision. And yet they want to get over to the place where they belong, the place they've chosen after all. They may have avoided justice when alive, but now, in their final state after death, they are impelled by divine justice to match their choices with an eternal, surreal enactment of these choices. And finally, that mysterious ending. Has Dante crossed in the boat and then fainted, or has he fainted on this side of the Acheron? It, it doesn't really matter much, does it? The fainting comes as an appropriate ending to this first full episode within the gates of hell. The hard words over the gate, the countless empty souls stung into following some flag, the formidable Charon and the fearful, mindlessly chattering newly dead, it, it, it's all too much for Dante, and he faints or falls asleep again. Now, in one sense, this saves Dante the poet from having to describe the crossing over the river. He'll save that for another, much more detailed crossing in a few more cantos. But in another sense, fainting reminds us that Dante, having safely passed through these experiences, is still only a novice down here, and has a lot more to learn about how to handle what he sees on this journey. And next, luckily for Dante, will come a brief respite, a place of relative calm, as he passes through the next level of the Inferno, the region known as Limbo. See you there next time. <laughs>